you have your Bibles this morning, open them to the book of Luke, chapter 6. Continuing on in, in Luke, it's been such a blessing. It's been so thick here in chapter 6. Uh, we are nearing the end of that today. I asked somebody to help me this morning uh, read our text for today. So, Shiloh, will you come up? I want you to help me. Hold that just a second. Let me move this so if maybe they can see you if they're on the, on the interweb. I don't know. Maybe you're in there. Maybe you're not. There you are. All right. So in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Shiloh's going to read it for us. Go ahead, sweetie. So why do you keep calling me, Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Amen. Thank you. Give her a hand for helping this morning. I want to be a little more interactive for our kids that are in here. I know that's been interesting, you know, being in a phase one reopening and them not, you know, going to class and being in here and they've done so good. And, and don't ever feel like you have to keep your kid completely quiet because that's impossible and that'll just make you tired and mad. It's just like if you brought them to somebody's house, you wouldn't expect them to be perfect and quiet the whole time. We don't expect that of uh, any of our kiddos. So there's a lot of grace there. It's, it just makes me happy that we got kids in church. Amen. So thank you, Shiloh, for reading that. So here in Luke 6, Christ is continuing to teach. This has been on a long series for him, just teaching about the kingdom of God. And he starts off this last section by saying, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Why are you calling me Lord but not doing what I say? Because if he is Lord when he speaks and we hear that, we should listen and obey. Because if we're not obeying, then he's not Lord. That's how you know who's in charge. Because when they speak and people listen and obey, that identifies who's in charge in that situation, right? If you have somebody at work and they try to tell you what to do, if they're not in charge, you're probably not going to do it, right? Especially if it's contrary to what the person who's actually in charge said. And then if people are doing what they say and not doing what the other person says, then that shows you who's really say. And he's been preaching all over. And then again, for a while right here, he's been preaching and teaching about the kingdom. So people have been following him and hearing more than once, apparently, the teachings of the kingdom. And so he's, he know, he's seeing familiar faces and he's saying, you've heard this and yet I see you continue to walk and you're not doing what I'm teaching you to do. And yet you're calling me Lord. But when you hear my teachings, you don't do what I teach. Then he says, watch, look at this. I'll show you what it looks like when someone does three things. He says, when someone comes to me listens to my teaching 
and then follows it. Those three things are going to be important to us today. He said, I'm going to show you what it looks like. So obviously there's a visible change when these three, three things happen. Obviously it stands out when these three things happen. When someone comes to him, here's his teaching and obey. So comes to him in relationship. You are Lord. I'm following you. When someone comes to me, here's my teaching. When we come to him, there's a relearning of how things are. This is how life really is. And we hear his teaching. And then he said, and then they obey. So we know that there's a visible difference from the norm when this happens. And he gives us an example of what it looks like when somebody comes to him, listens to his teaching and obeys, he says in verse 48, as Shiloh read so well, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. He says it's like when someone builds a house and they dig deep and they make the foundation be solid rock. See, Jesus came to destroy the devil's works and to redeem us out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the kingdom of, of this world. Our old Lord, right? He is Lord now. We had one before that wasn't good and wasn't right. And that was the kingdoms of this world. And he opened the prison door so that we could walk out. We were under the subjection of the kingdoms of the world and he opened the prison door with his sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial and resurrection. He opened the prison door, but not just so we could get out and roam free, but that so we could become citizens of his kingdom. He let us out, but not just so we could go do whatever we want, because then who's Lord? And how's that going to work out? Bad. So he set us free so that we could live a new life in his kingdom. Come live in the kingdom of God. Live a new life with me, in me, and through me. And then he actually becomes Lord. And we've done some studying on that. It doesn't just mean the one whose instructions I listen to. It means the one who is in command. It's like a, 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 a king, the one who is sovereign over everything about me. And what he's doing is he's teaching what life in the kingdom of God looks like. How to live in the kingdom of God because it's different. And he's telling us that in my kingdom, my people, those who have come to me, heard my teaching and obeyed, they will be stable. They will be stable. And he tells us why. It's like they have dug down deep and their foundation is solid rock. They've laid their foundation on something that is stable. And so they will be stable. That's important to note here because we see this happen. And we, some of us have done this in our own life. When we come to Christ, we treat it like it's an add on to what we're already doing. Like it's just a way to beautify what we already have. Like we already have a house and we're going to put in flower bed in front of it. Or we're going to redo the flower beds. Or maybe we're going to paint a room. Maybe we're going to put in new windows. Or there's just a little bit of a remodel that needs to be done. Maybe even we're going to go as far to add a room. And we treat our relationship with Christ like we're adding something to our life. And he's quick to clarify, no, this is going to go all the way down to the beginning foundation of your life. 
This is where it has to start. You're not just adding something on to what you've already built in your life. This is going to change your life at a foundational level. This is taking it all the way down to the beginning. Fundamental change. That's why it uses in Scripture terms like being born again. Not just being born, living and go, oh, I realized that wasn't right, so I'm going to change it from here forward. He says, you must be born again. Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are created new. Why? Because they have to be. They have to be. It has to be foundational. And so we come to him, we hear his teaching, and we obey. And there's that reflex in us. Because we don't like submitting to a Lord when we realize that's what we're doing. So we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, who is he to tell me what to do? And you see this. You, you see this in the world. You see this in the hearts of people as the even ones that grow up in the church. And their heart isn't changing. They go, wait, wait, wait a second. I want to do that. Jesus is teaching, say, don't do that. Well, who is he to tell me? What to do? I think this would be best. Me and my friends think this would be best. Me and these other people that I listen to think this would be best. Who is he to tell me any different? Well, he's the one who created heaven and earth and you. The Bible calls him the ancient of days or the one who's been around since before the beginning of time. And he created things so he understands how they work because he created them He knows more than anyone else could ever hope to know. And he does it with our best in mind. When he tells us something, it's not so that he can use us for his own gain. It's he is teaching us what is best for us in every area of life. Teaching us how to live as a Christian, as a believer, As a Christ follower, when we come to the teachings of Jesus, when we come to Scripture, it is many things. And one thing that it is, is a history of time, of the world, of God's redemptive work, how the world works, how he brought us into his kingdom and how we're to live. It's a call to obedience. And I read it this way this last week. It was so interesting. I had two things line up that were both talking the same way. And I love when that happens. The Bible, one of the things that it is, the scripture that you have access to is a history of obedience and disobedience. It's a world history of obedience and disobedience. And in, in what I was reading uh, was a book by Eugene Peterson, and, and he was going through the Psalms of Ascent. And there's, there's a grouping of Psalms that are close to the end of the book, and it, it's songs that the, the people of Israel would sing together, like we sang together today, songs that all the people knew that they would sing as they made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And he had this quote about obedience, and I thought it fit so well with what we were talking about today. Because one of the psalms that I read, the people were singing about following in the footsteps of David and the ark when he brought the ark of the covenant back uh, to Israel, back to Jerusalem. And, And they were celebrating walking along those same steps to go and worship the Lord. And he says that Christians tramp well worn paths, obedience has a history. And this history is important, for without it, We are at the mercy of whims. 
Memory is a data bank that we use to evaluate our position and make decisions. With a biblical memory, we have 2,000 plus years of experience from which to make off-the-cuff responses that are required each day in the life of faith. If we're going to live adequately and maturely as the people of God, we need more data to work from than our own experience can give us. And I thought that was so good. It talks about Scripture and what we can learn there is a history of what obedience looks like for the people of God. And that when we encounter situations, regardless of what it is, we're going to draw first on what we know, right? What we've experienced, what we've been taught, what we know and what he's pointing out and what Jesus would surely echo based on what he's teaching is that what you have seen and what you know and what you've experienced is not enough for you to live. It's not enough. So what he's given you access to are memories that aren't yours. Stories of obedience that don't involve you but affect you and that you can learn from. One of the, and he talks about how memory is a tool for life. One of the movie plots that you see uh, recycled is the a person, one of the you know, main character, has some type of amnesia, right? Where either they've totally forgotten who they are or they wake up each morning and they forgot what happened yesterday, maybe back to a certain point, or they just forgot everything. And they wake up and they're like, who am I? Where am I? What's going on? And you've seen these, right? And, and we watch them and they're interesting and they're entertaining. But, but ironically, that's how we are when we try to live life alone. We have a limited amount of memory. We have a limited amount of what we have learned. And that's how we act if we're left on our own. Something it says in the book of Job that I always remember and I, it keeps me humble. It, Job says, we were born yesterday and know nothing. As long as we've been here, however long we've been here, he said, in, in the span of time and compared to God, we were born yesterday and we know nothing. We forget what hurts us. We forget what corrupts us. We forget what kills us. And we wake up the next morning and we go right back to it. Right. That's our nature. That's what we come here with is to try to do the best that we know how and the best that we know how ends up hurting us and injuring us. Right. Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do? Yes. All the time. Right. And it's awful. And the less you know, the more that happens. The less you know, the more you will encounter situations where you just go, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to handle this. And you do learn a little bit, right? If we fail at something or we experience loss at something, we do remember that. And then we say things like, I'm never letting that happen to me again. I'm going to stop that from ever happening to me again. Because I remember last time I reached under the mower, there was a snake under it and it bit me. I'm never reaching under the mower again, right? We learn some things, but it's so limited and it can be so twisted by our injury that we end up making a change and maybe not making it in the right way. 
in these movies, what do these people do? They generally try to build out a system to remind them who they are, to remind them what is true and what's not, to remind them what has happened and what they expect to happen, right? And that's what Scripture does for us. What Jesus is telling us, what He's telling the people listening is that He is giving us the answers, that Scripture is living and it's active and it can serve as implanted memories for us. We can learn from the history of obedience and disobedience of others. We can learn from their memories. So we, we get the learning from it without experiencing the pain of it. And what a blessing that is, right? That we can learn some lessons without the pain of error. And that this is the way of righteousness, truth, and hope. The way of life for a believer to go to the teachings of Jesus and say, I'm, I'm a part of His kingdom. He's my Lord. So I'm going to base what I do off of what He said. I'm going to base what I do off of what I've seen in Him. And it gives millennia of experience available to us. And it's not just, hey, do this or don't do this. It's not just a, a rule book. It's not a specific of you're going to encounter this situation. Here's how to handle this situation. Here's what to do. But instead it teaches us how life works overall and how to walk in His kingdom and how to have these experiences as a member of His kingdom instead of a member of the kingdoms of this world. These things lead to death and corruption. These things lead to life and righteousness. Lean towards these things. Forsake these things. Put on these things. Put off these things because this leads to life. Again, it's foundational. It goes all the way deep in us to the, to the foundation of our life. Now, a Christian with a good memory, like we said, you're going to learn some things as you go. A Christian with a good memory may be able to avoid the sin that stung them last time. That stung me, that bit me, that hurt me. I can avoid it. But the Christian with a biblical worldview walks the path of obedience that's well-worn by others who have already gone that direction. And they see the markers of danger before they get there. So you picture you're walking along a path that someone else has already set. God set it. Others have walked it before you. And what's, what's helpful on those paths? Signage, right? We tried to go to the Little Grand Canyon. You know how many signs are up there? None. None. You're just like, I guess we're walking off in the woods this way. Maybe it'll go somewhere. That's the best you got. At least there's a path there now. It's worn down a little bit. I'm hopeful that at some point maybe I should do it. I don't know. Put a sign up and go, hey, go this way. Hey, it's a lot easier. Here's what we found. There's one way that we went, Richard, that was really hard to get there. And on the way back, I said, hey, what's this other way over here? Let's try it. It was much easier. And I wish we had known. I think Kimber tried to tell me. I just didn't understand what he was telling me. Right? It would have been much better if I had seen the sign that said, hey, this is the easy way to go. You want the hard way, you go this way. But what we do in life when we approach it without going to the testimony of Scripture and the teachings of Jesus is we're wandering around in the woods trying to get home on our own when there's a better way. When there is a better way. So a Christian with a biblical worldview 
who seeks after the teachings of Jesus, who seeks to walk in the ways of Jesus, walks these well-worn paths of obedience and they see the markers of danger before they get there. And they're remembering the memories of others and they're walking rightly because of it. Jesus said, there's a difference between those who come to me, listen and obey, and those who drop off during those three. He said, look, I'll show you. And he says, those that listen and obey, who learn who God is, who we are in Him, how to walk rightly in this world, that their life is founded on the rock and the storm can't shake it. When the storms of life come, it won't be shaken because it's built on something that's unshakable. And then he says in verse 49, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So notice he says the ones that hear and don't Obey. What the ones that didn't hear? He said the ones that hear and yet do not obey. So you heard and you chose not to obey. He says it's like a house without a foundation. And when adverse conditions come, when situations come up that they don't know how to handle, it's collapse and it's ruin. And it doesn't matter how many people you've got in agreement with you. If you're walking contrary to the truth, it's going to end in collapse and ruin. It doesn't matter if you get more than 50% of people to agree with you. It's collapse and ruin. It doesn't matter if you found people that wrote stuff in the past that you agree with. If it's contrary to the truth, it will end in collapse and ruin. That's what you're headed for when you avoid, deny, and refuse to acknowledge and walk in the truth. So what you'll find in all, the, in all the world, in all the history, we, we see it in Scripture. People think that they can have the blessings of stability without taking the steps towards stability that Jesus lays out, which is come to me, listen to me, obey me, be a part of my kingdom. They think that they can have the blessings of stability without having him is Lord. So you see entire nations saying, we don't need God. We've got this figured out. We can be the answer because God is oppressive. He wants to speak into too many areas of our life. We don't like that. We've got it figured out. And some of them even try to hijack and leverage his teachings without acknowledging him. Right. And how does that work out? When we know that two plus two equals four, but they try to change, well, we can't use four, but we're going to come up with our own answer. It doesn't work. You can't change truth and cause it to work like you want it to work. We think we've got a better idea. You know, Jesus wants to be Lord. I'm not for that. I don't really need him telling me what to do because I've got things I enjoy doing, I like doing that he doesn't think are good for me. And so I'm not going to listen to him. And nobody says that out of their mouth, but that's what they say with their actions. Says, well, we say we've said it. We've done it where we've known what the truth was. And we're like, yeah, but I'm going to give it a shot this way. And how does that work out to say that I know what's best? I'll give you an example. This happened in my life. Uh, when I was in college, I worked at Walmart. Some of you heard this story. 
Um, and I worked in the garden center, and it was a hard place to work, uh, especially in the summertime when it's really hot like this. Man, it's hot outside. And I mean, this is like when it gets so hot, you're looking for a shady place to get, right? Where is the shade? How can I figure this out? This heat is oppressive. And I'm working outside and we would have to load up lots of stuff. You know, people would pull up and get a hundred bags of pine bark mulch or topsoil or uh, cow manure, all different things. And the other thing we had to load up and put together was patio furniture. So we'd have these big, huge swings with the canopies on them. You know, I don't know if they carry those as much as they did then, but they're, they're big things. And so we're, it's a Saturday, it's the afternoon, we're busy. And so there's a truck pulling up and he's getting this swing. And uh, the, the other guys that worked with me, they had it loaded up in the back of the truck. And it's a swing with a canopy on top. And they had it loaded up in the truck and he had uh, a come along strap across the back of it. And I was coming from across the lot. I had loaded up something else. And I see they're almost done and I'm gonna help them finish. So I step up on the tailgate of this truck and I start unscrewing the canopy off the top. And the guy grabs me. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm taking this canopy off. He said, I don't take that off. I said, well, sir, I really need to take this off. I don't want you to take it off. I said, well, how far are you going? It doesn't matter how far I'm going. Don't you worry about it. You get the blankety blank off the back of my truck. Now, there was a reason I was trying to take that canopy off. But he basically told me, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And it was a busy Saturday. I ain't got time to argue with you, fella. I hopped down, went about my business. So about 45 minutes to an hour later, that truck came back. It was being driven by a different man. It was being driven by the brother of the man who cussed me. And he said, I sent my brother up here to pick up a swing. And he's got the swing in the back of his truck. Guess what it looks like? It's torn all to pieces. It's all bent up, and I looked at it, I knew what happened. He started off down the highway, wind caught that canopy. Again, he just had one little strap across the back. You know what it did? Flipped right over the strap. It's tumbling down the road. I'm just picturing it. He said, I sent my brother up here to pick up, my sw pick up a swing. Y'all loaded it, and now it looks like this. I need you to tell me what happened. He didn't talk to me first. He talked to a guy that works with me. He said, I'm going to go get Steven. <laughs> so I come out, and he says, what happened? My, my swing. I said, listen, I climbed up on this truck. I tried to take that canopy off. I told him it needed to come off, and he told me no. I tried again, he cussed me, and I got down. So we loaded it right. He chose to do it the wrong way. And the guy looked at me and he said, so I guess I just gotta eat this now, huh? I said, sounds to me like you need to talk to your brother. But it was a perfect example. I knew what was gonna happen. He didn't, he thought that he did. He thought, this'll be fine, I can do this. Destroyed. I mean, there's not any, it's scuffed, it's just got a little bend. It was in pieces. They're not meant to be dropped out of the back of a truck at 60 miles an hour. And that's what we can do with our life and that we can see happen in life where we go, this is the wrong way to do this. It's to absolutely, like this is going to cause pain and misery to do this. And yet our hearts still want to say, I know what's best. I know what's best. And that's why I'm so thankful that he gave us scripture, even when it confronts us, even when it says, hey, what you thought would be good is actually going to kill you. Because that hurts our ego a little bit. It's like, whoa, whoa, what, what are you saying? I'm saying that you make poor decisions. Come here, let me teach you how to make better ones. 
That's what Jesus is saying. You left your own. Look what comes out of it. Let me teach you how to live in the kingdom that you were born again to live in. And we have to stop fighting against in society his teachings and just go to this is truth. It may not always be convenient. We may not always like what it says. We may, because of our own carnal desires, want to handle something differently. But this is the only right way to do it. Not being like that, man, bless his heart. I don't know how that conversation went between him and his brother when he got back. But I wish he had listened. I tried to help him. I tried to tell him, no, you, you can't do this. Look, we've loaded up a bunch of these. We've got a lot. We've been trained on how to do this because we have to do it the right way. He wasn't having it. And, and what we see is when you do something the wrong way, there's fruit from that. And when you do something the right way, there's fruit from that. And the fruit always points back to whether or not it was right or wrong, doesn't it? Because the fruit of that one was a mess. The fruit of doing it the right way would have been, hey, it's whatever. It was probably some, I mean, it's Saturday evening. We're swinging on the swing out in the yard. We got a canopy over us. It's shady. It's nice. I wrote this down. And I'm almost done. Andrew, if you want to go ahead and come up, get ready for us to sing together as we finish. The Bible isn't a rule book. It's not a rule book. It's a truth book. It's a truth book. It doesn't just say, do this, don't do this. And if we approach it like that, it's going to go all haywire. It's a truth book. And Jesus has put it in order for us. And we can't get it out of order. First, he says what? Those who come to me. Come to me as Lord. Those that come into relationship with me. Those that come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. That relationship there, because we can't do any of this without faith in the Savior that changes our hearts. Because if our hearts not being changed, we can be doing the right things and we're still going to mess it up with our motivations. And we see that when we follow the rules, when we treat them as rules and they just make us feel better about ourselves compared to somebody else. Well, at least I don't handle life the way that they do. At least I don't walk the way that they do. And so he says, first you have to come to me. And then he said, those that come to me and listen. Because there's a relearning. And for some of us, there's more to relearn than others. It depends on what you came out of, what you were conditioned by, what your experiences were. But there's a relearning of now you live in a different kingdom. Just like if you move to a different country, things operate differently than they do here. And you would be better to learn that than to try to live there like you were still here to learn how to be what it is that you have become right we're going to have some new parents in the house soon a couple babies on the way this is both of them their first one when you have that baby you don't get to keep living like you don't have a baby right you become something that you don't yet know how to be they're going to give that you that baby and you do not know everything you're supposed to know and you learn to be what it is that you've become when when you get married. I use this example all the time. You can't get married and still live like you're single. That doesn't work. And so you have to learn to be what you've become. And so when we come to Christ, we learn to be, to walk out what it is that he has made us 
deep inside, which is a citizen of his kingdom, a son and a daughter of Almighty God. And there's a learning there. The Bible calls it sanctification, where we learn to be what we've already become. We come to him. We listen. So there's a relearning. No, we don't do things the way we used to. We used to be dead in our trespasses and sins. We don't handle things that way anymore. We walk in the newness of life. And then that's where obedience comes in. Walking it out. He gives us life and then he teaches us how to live it in the right kingdom. And we get the interesting dynamic of being in the world and not of the world. And when you live as a citizen of his kingdom in the world, not of it, you're a light to others. That they see the fruit of life in his kingdom and that it's better and that it's good. And it draws them to think about him differently. In scripture and in his teachings, we have access to memories that aren't ours. We have access to wisdom that we didn't come about naturally. Truth we didn't understand until he turned the light on. And he gives us access to a hope that we didn't deserve. Because when we're living life in him, there's hope on the inside of us for tomorrow. So he keeps us out of the ditch on each side of the road. And then he keeps us full of joy and hope in the middle of the road. Not in a rut, not standing still. We're moving forward in growth until we get home. He said, those that come to me, that listen and that obey. It goes down to a foundational level. And he says, when things come against you, you will stand against them, you'll endure through them, and you will prosper. But that if you hear and you don't listen, it's going to bring collapse. It's going to bring ruin. If you try to do this without Him and just take the principles that you see in the Word and try to do it without the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it's going to bring about just as much pain because there's still no foundation there. You can build the same house with the same uh, amenities, and if there's no foundation, it's gonna fall. We're learning to live in this new kingdom. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And he said, don't call me Lord if you're not gonna listen. Don't call me Lord if you're not going to listen to what I say and obey. And again, he's not trying to be a tyrant. He's actually doing what is best for us. We just have trouble seeing that sometimes. Amen. Stand up with me. I want to pray as we get ready to, to sing together. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you that you've not left us alone. You opened up the prison doors and you let the captives free God, but you didn't just turn us loose to be devoured by the same world that we had been enslaved to the first time around. You made a way for us to be citizens of your kingdom, naturalized into your kingdom by your blood, your death, your burial, your resurrection. You changed our life and you gave us a new foundation in Christ Jesus. No foundation could we lay 
that's better than that which has been laid, which is Christ. And Father, I thank you that you took us down all the way to the foundation and started building us back up. As we encounter situations, I thank you, Lord, that you don't just give us specific answers and knowledge, Lord, but you give us wisdom of how to live. You teach us how life works, how the world works, how our hearts work, how we're supposed to walk together. And God, forgive us for the times that we didn't obey. Even coming to you, God, we, we, we came, we heard, and we didn't obey. God, forgive us. I thank you that you are gracious to forgive us our sins as we confess them to you and to continue to grow us up into the image of Christ Jesus. Lord, you've given us memories that aren't ours that we can learn from. You're giving us truths that we didn't find, but you gave to us graciously through your revelation, your, your unveiling of how things actually work. And God, I thank you that it's by that walk and the fruit that comes from it that many will come to you as Lord that will see their life compared to the life, what life looks like in your kingdom and will call you Lord too. I thank you that you give us strength and endurance for this walk. God, it's not easy to hold on to the truth. It's not always easy for us to hold on to the truth. I thank you that we won't grow weary in doing the things that are right. And I thank you that we'll have conviction and steadfastness to hold on to your truth, knowing that it is the way to life. Lord, we love you. I pray for your people. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us safe from everything that would come against us. God, we pray that you relieve our nation of this virus and you relieve us of the fear that comes from it. I thank you, Lord, that we are protected in you, that we have hope in you in life and or in death. We have hope in you, and I thank you. God, I thank you for reconciliation and restoration in the cities across America. I thank you, Lord God, that you heal all of our wounds. God, in our sinfulness and in our unrighteousness, we have hurt one another. And Father, only you can make us well that we won't try to avenge ourselves. Vengeance belongs to you, and we ask, God, that you be gracious. We ask that you be gracious to us. Heal our wounds. Heal our hearts. Heal our households. Heal our communities. And, Father, mobilize the church. I thank you that the church that preaches the truth, the gospel, the only way that we're saved, God, that the light will shine brighter than ever before. And God, you're calling many sons and daughters home. Even in a time of pain, even in a time of struggle, even in a time of hurt, you're calling many home. You're calling home the backsliders who heard your voice and walked away. You're calling them home. I thank you, Lord, that your family is growing, that the church flourishes when the pressure is put on. You are not scared of pressure, Father. And I thank you that we won't be afraid while we stand in you, that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And I thank you that you mobilize it here and around the country and around the world to bring truth and love and healing and grace in a time where there is not enough of those things. God, when we operate at a deficiency of kindness, a deficiency of love, a deficiency of peace, you're all sufficient. I thank you that you bring the answer. We love you. 
and we thank you. And we sing together today to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's sing together.